everybody. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 7th, 2020, and it is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. They will be taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at T-Mobile Arena, 7 o'clock puck drop, which means, of course, it is Marc-Andre Fleury against his former team, and we will break that down in just a little bit. But welcome, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. And if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, first of all, welcome to you. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights Monday through Friday here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Even though I've been feeling a little uh, little under the weather the last couple of days and I haven't really been able to you know, get the energy to actually get up and record, I do apologize for the kind of, you know, up the uh, down ticks in the uploading here, but we're going to be looking to get back on schedule as the uh, as the days progress. It's just been a very hectic start to 2020, let's just say that. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you consume your podcasts, we are more than likely on there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21, or you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So, um, you know, the last time we were here, uh, we I said we were going to break down the Blues game, and of course, the game of the year is right around the time where I started feeling like crap, and we couldn't get an episode up, so I do apologize about that. Um, but you know, by now, the Golden Knights rallied from 3 nothing down in the first period to win 5-4 on Saturday against the reigning cup champion Blues, and now they have won four straight, heading into tonight's matchup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, not almost at full strength, but not quite because it appears that Cody Eakin will return to the lineup today, uh, with, uh, after dealing with a upper body injury, upper body injury, uh, since November 29th, he will make his return to the lineup. Gerard Gallant did not confirm where he would be in the lineup. Uh, my guess, if I had to throw out a guess, I will say fourth line center, which is where I think a lot of people have been wanting Cody Egan to be for the longest time, and I do think that that is where he will go. I do believe that the uptick for William Carrier to be on the third line is real, and I think he will get some extended time there. Uh, Nicholas Waugh probably will be the odd man out, as Tomas Nosek will stay on the left and Ryan Reeves on the right. Uh, lineup pretty much exactly the same. Uh, John Merrill will be a healthy scratch. Nick Holden will go in. And Marc-Andre Fleury will obviously be starting in net for the Golden Knights for his fifth consecutive start. He will attempt to tie Henrik Lundqvist for fifth place all-time on the all-time wins list with 458. And he will have the chance to do so against his former team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, on the Penguins' side, they are obviously dealing with about as many injuries as one would like to not have um, as for a human, rather alone, an entire team. But the good news for the Penguins and also kind of bad news for the Penguins is that Sidney Crosby did participate at morning skate today, but he will not play a uh, good chance for the Penguins that he will eventually join the team for that three for this three game road trip that uh, the Penguins are on starting tonight. Uh, the lineup is pretty much exactly the same. and I do expect Tristan Yari to be in net for the Penguins. So big night here for Mark Andre Fleury going for win number 458. A uh, big chance for him to get the Golden Knights to five consecutive victories and a chance for the Golden Knights to kind of strengthen their lead on the Pacific Division. Now, Flurry, if, if you haven't checked Flurry's numbers against Pittsburgh, one, I think he plays too motivated against Pittsburgh because he has been very, very good. And two, you know, we talk about a lot about how guys like to play their former teams and how a lot of guys 
like to uh, kind of get up for against the team. Flurry did not think that. Flurry always thinks it's special to play against Pittsburgh, but for him, it's just another game. Just like any other player on this team, if they played their former team because of the expansion draft um, or trades or whatnot, it, it's pretty much just the uh, the par for the course. It's basically just another game for that particular player. Flurry is three one and zero in four starts against Pittsburgh with a two point two six GAA and a save percentage of nine thirty. Um, yeah, he likes playing against his former team. Uh, and you'll recall back on October 19th, Flurry did have a 29 save shutout, 29 saves for number 29, uh, to get him the shutout and his first win at Pittsburgh since the Golden Knights selected him in the expansion draft. So a big game coming up tonight for the Golden Knights. Uh, obviously, the chance to increase their win to, their winning streak to five consecutive games uh, definitely weighs heavy on them. Uh, this is a team that has been, you know, I, I didn't want to really bring this up, but I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about this team not playing up to up to the competition, playing against teams that are much better than them. And obviously throughout this winning streak so far that they have proven that that so far is to be the case. And they have been playing very well against good teams over the last month or so. But this is kind of a we kind of hit the meat and the potatoes of this uh, home of this homestand. They've gotten they gotten through Philadelphia, they've gotten through St. Louis, and now they got to go through Pittsburgh. And even though Pittsburgh has down like 25 guys, they're still tied for second in the Metro Division uh, behind the, the New York Islanders. The Islanders do have the tiebreaker in the Metro. Um, obviously, they are all trying to chase the Washington Capitals, but that, you know, everyone's going to be chasing the Capitals uh, by some point. But the Penguins are playing really well. They're coming off a 4-1 loss against the, uh, against the Florida Panthers on Sunday. But they they went ten and two in December, so even without Crosby, even without Gensel, even without you know Bukestad, you know, all the guys that they have out, the Penguins still find a way to win games, and they're going to find a way to be a competitive force come playoff time. Especially if Crosby comes back at the right time, Gensel's going to be out for uh, he's out for the rest of the season. But if Crosby comes back, and if they're able to kind of replicate this kind of play, adding their captain back, they're going to be a dangerous team. Uh, in April and probably more dangerous than what they already are. Um, but yeah, this, this is obviously, uh, another good test for Vegas. They don't want to fall into the trap. Um, cause I do think this could be a trap game. I think this could very well be a trap game. Um, not necessarily because the penguins are hurt and they're playing bad, but it, it is the fact that they are very banged up and the golden Knights should be able to take advantage of that with their talent, with their, uh, their scoring ability, with their play in net, they should be able to take advantage of a Pittsburgh team that is somehow not reeling, but eventually you got to think they're going to have to reel off a couple of losses. At some point, this might be the time where they lose to Florida on Sunday, and now they have to come to Vegas, and they have to somehow stop their former their former uh, three-time Stanley Cup winning goalie, who has been doing very well uh, during this stretch of five consecutive starts. So puck drop tonight at 7 o'clock at T-Mobile Arena, the Golden Knights and the Penguins will be going at it. The Golden Knights will look to sweep the season series, uh, I believe, for the first time. Yes, this will be the first time because they split the season series uh, the first two years. Uh, I keep forgetting that Fleury did not play in Pittsburgh as my watch is going off a lot here. Give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. I need to silence that. I apologize. Um, But I do remember that I believe it was Subban who played in Pittsburgh last year. And uh, Subban got rocked, I think, for like four goals or something like that. So uh, big game tonight for the Golden Knights. They look to win their season-high fifth consecutive game as they will try to uh, 
keep the ship rolling. They're they're rolling right now in the Pacific Division. They're only five points back of the uh, of the Blues for the top spot in the Western Conference. So a lot can happen with you win these kinds of games, and especially if you can close out this homestand strong. That's that's more power to you if you're the Golden Knights. So I wanted to touch on this because I kind of been sitting about this for the last couple of days, and after the St. Louis game, uh, I did tweet about this and. A lot of people, they're, they're open to giant discussion about Alex Tuck and his chance to play on the, uh, on the top line with Jonathan Marshall out uh, with a lower body injury. Now, Marshall is a game-time decision tonight. He is expected to play. I, I would be highly shocked if he doesn't play, um, but I would expect Marshall, who, who was a full go in practice on Monday and skated on the top line, I would expect Marshall to be back on the lineup. But back to Tuck. Alex Tuck has been getting this opportunity to play on the top line. Uh, now, whether you want to say that he's been playing out of position on the left because uh, he's mostly a guy on the right, you can make that argument if you want to. But it goes without saying that in two games, Alex Tuck has not registered a single shot on goal uh, on the top line, playing on the left side with Carlson and Smith. And Alex Tuck just has not been as aggressive as you'd like. He hasn't been really noticeable on the power play. He hasn't really been a guy that you expect to take over and a guy that you know you're going to have to rely on to be that bottom six scoring type of guy. If he's not producing, even on the top line, then when can he produce? Now, here's the thing. I don't think necessarily that Alex Tuck's course has run out with the Golden Knights. I, I don't want to assume that. I don't want to think that he is just a guy who can who is like a taller version of William Carrier, even though Carrier has kind of made the most of his opportunity as of late. I don't want to sit here and think that he's a, just a taller version of William Carey, where he's just a fast guy who forechecks and he just you know puts the puck on the net and hopes things go his way. Alex Tuck has talent. Alex Tuck has a lot of skill. Alex Tuck is a guy that the Golden Knights were basically gifted in the expansion draft uh, from the Minnesota Wild, and so much so that after year one, they gave him that long-term contract extension. So clearly the Golden Knights see something in Alex Tuck that makes him believe that he is going to be a star at some point. Now, I've been seeing arguments that you know him being on the left uh, does not help matters. Uh, him not being cemented into a top six role is something that's hindering him, which I think is completely ridiculous. If you are an NHL hockey player, you should be able to play on any role that you are given, and you should be able to deliver on any role that you're given. And I think that just because he's not being on the top six is kind of ridiculous. Um, but I do have some concerns. That even dating back to last season, when he was on the top line, there were two games where uh, Tuck was on the top line. He was on the right side this time, playing uh, as Riley Smith was bumped to the second line. And Jonathan Marshall and William Carlson were his line mates, and it was a big chance for Tuck. Because if you recall, last year there was a moment, I think when well, the first 10, 15 games that Tuck played uh, going into uh, his new season, fresh off his contract extension, I think he had like I want to say like 14 points in 10 in his first 10 games, and he was a point per point per game guy, and he was just playing very well. Some of the best hockey, and he's like, okay, that's the next step for Alex. Tuck. And then he gets the and then he gets the chance to be on the top line because the top line wasn't producing, Carlson wasn't scoring, Marshall Salt wasn't getting anything going. So Gerard Gallant decided to change the lines, and he put Alex Tuck on the right side on the first line, and even dating back. To those two games last year, it was against Montreal and it was against Los Angeles. They were both in Vegas. Alex Tuck only had one game where he had a shot on goal, and he had four shots on goal against Montreal, and Vegas still lost. 
So now it's four games. The sample size is now four games with Alex Tuck on the top line, and he has zero shots on goal. And to me, I think that's kind of concerning because this is a guy that, you know, 22, 23 years old, he is going to be someone that is going to lead the Golden Knights into the future. He's going to be that catalyst of the future with a guy like Cody Glass, like Nick Haig, uh, like William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, uh, and, you know, essentially, eventually when Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, when they get older and eventually those guys, you know, eventually fizzle out, those are the guys, mean Tuck, that are going to eventually ascend to the role of which they need to perform in. Now, the good thing is if you're Tuck, you know, you've got, if you are the Golden Knights with Alex Tuck, you have got him on contract that is very uh, valuable and, you know, it's not killing your cap. But you would like to see a little bit more production because if you're, you, you've essentially committed to paying, you know, $5 million a year for a guy who is going to be on your third line. We have known for the better part of seven or eight months, Alex Tuck was going to be on the third line this year. Alex Tuck was going to be, the guy to be relied on for that bot, for that middle six scoring. And so far that has not happened. And to me, if I'm the Golden Knights, I have to be a little concerned knowing, okay, if this is the production we're getting, that that's not really a good sign. Do I think there's time for Alex Tuck to kind of get acclimated here and kind of, you know, eventually get on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. Again, he's young. He's a, he's a young player. He hasn't even hit the prime of his career yet. The Golden Knights are basically banking on him to be that guy because, you know, you, you get Eric Hollow, you move on from Eric Hollow. You're basically saying, okay, Alex Tuck is better than Eric Hollow, which I mean, you, you can take the case here or there of whatever side of that argument you want to be on. But I look at it from this standpoint. I think Alex Tuck is what Alex Tuck is. He's a middle six guy. He's got a who is great skater, great on the forecheck. But is he a top line guy? And to me, no. And he's not going to be a top line guy. Um, he's not going to be a top line guy for as long as you know Riley Smith is under contract. He's not going to be a top line guy for as long as Max Pacioretty is under contract. But I don't think that him not being a top guy should be able to hinder him from being on being able to produce on this roster. I just think that the, the the argument of him not being a top six guy and him underperforming the way that he is because he's not on the top six, I think is absolutely ludicrous. And, I, and I've seen that argument plastered everywhere over the last couple of days. It, you are getting paid $5 million. You should be able to score no matter what line you're on. And, it, and there are some people that were saying that you should go on the fourth line. I don't think that's a good fit. Uh, I, th- I think that that would actually hinder him from scoring because that fourth line is just ba- relied on physicality and hitting. That's not who Alex Tuck is. Alex Tuck is you know, very aggressive on the forecheck, but he tries to score. And I don't know if you're going to be able to do that when you've got a guy like Ryan Reeves trying to lay the wood on everybody. And, you know, Ryan Reeves, notorious goal scorer. I mean, he scored against the Blues. So, I mean, it, it's not out of his blood that it's, that it's incapable for him to do so. But... And I also don't think you want to pay $5 million a year to a guy who's going to play, what, eight, nine minutes a game, which, you know, they'll be, they're about to do that with Cody Egan if he goes on the fourth line tonight. So, but I think there is time for Tuck to turn it around. And I think you need what, what, what needs to happen is the Golden Knights need to figure out this center conundrum. And, it, it, and a lot of it has to do with who they've got in the lineup and where can they put them. 
Uh, obviously acquiring Chandler Stevenson helps a little bit because you can put him on center or wing. He's been playing primarily center since he's gotten to Vegas. So you have that to deal with. Then you have to worry about the return of Cody Egan. Then you have to worry about when Cody Glass comes back to the lineup. And then you have to worry about Tomas Nosek and Nicholas Waugh. Nicholas Waugh will probably be back in Chicago sooner or later. You have all of these guys that you can put at center, and you have to try and figure out a way to make it work. And I think that is probably part of the reason why Alex Tuck has kind of struggled. And I kind of touched on it a little bit last year. It's it, Alex Tuck has not been able to play with consistent line mates. Because if you think back to last year, he was on the, the, the big line that was, you know, clamored about was uh, 87-26 or 67-26-89. That was the line that everybody was going to like, okay, that's the line that's going to lead the Gold Knights in the playoffs, and that's the line that's going to dominate. And then they got Stone. And then that moved Tuck back to the third line. And then Tuck had to go through interchanging of pieces between Ryan Carpenter and Cody Egan. And, you know, th- there were just all these pieces that he could not find a consistent line. So maybe it is back to that point where Alex Tuck needs to have consistent line mates. But with the Golden Knights being in the position they are when it comes to where they are at center, you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to shuffle that line a little bit more. Now, when Cody Glass comes back, which uh, Gerard Glantz said he's going to be week to week as of yesterday, so uh, probably after the All-Star break is when we'd expect Cody uh, Cody Glass back, which for the Golden Knights, that's a huge relief, by the way. Um I don't know how you would I don't know how you would fix that third line or not necessarily fix but I don't know how you would stack it together you know what I mean you would probably have to go I, I think I honestly think that the best because here's the thing when we get to the playoffs when the Golden Knights eventually get to the playoffs when we get when we get closer to figuring out how Gerard Gallant is gonna you know utilize his lines and whatnot the I'm still a firm believer that the way that the Golden Knights are, the only way that the Golden Knights are going to get far in the playoffs is if the line is 67 26 61. Stasny needs to go back on that line, and that's going to be your top line in the playoffs. That I still stand by that, and even though Chandler Stevenson has been terrific, I still think that your best bet is going with those two lines as your top six. Stasny needs to be on that line. That line is going to carry you through a lot of slow-paced games. They're going to carry you through a lot of defensive zone games. That line is going to carry you into the playoffs if you're the Golden Knights. When you get to the third line, I think the most ideal situation is going to end up being Cody Glass centering with Chandler Stevenson on the left and Alex Tuck on the right. And I kind of alluded to that when uh, when Cody Glass returned to the lineup a couple weeks ago. I think I still think that that is going to be your best line. You still have Stevenson who can play both center and wing. He is going to be able to contribute when it comes to uh, p- putting on the forecheck, using his speed, and kind of taking defenses on their back heel. And then, of course, you have Tuck on the right who does what he does. I think what needs to happen here is you need to put your two best young playmakers on the fl- on the ice together and on the line at the same time, and that's Cody Glass and Alex Tuck. And I think when you get to that point, that is going to be your best line. And then your fourth line, I think, is going to have to be Nosek, Eakin, Reeves, or Nosek, Eakin, Carrier, um, or maybe even Carrier, Eakin, Reeves. But then you have the conundrum of okay, well, who do we, who do the Golden Knights scratch between Eakin and or, or uh, Nosek and Reeves? Right there, there is that conundrum too. So you have to kind of figure out if you're the Golden Knights. Well, you're going to have to move one of these guys. I think at the deadline, I, th- I think that's going to have to be the case. You're going to have to move one of these guys. And if you move Nosek, that's one of your valuable penalty killers. You move Eakin, he's an albatross of a contract, but he's still one of your better penalty killers. And then you move on from Reeves, you have to deal with that too. 
So I think there's a lot of interchanging parts that the Golden Knights are going to have to consider going forward. And that's probably the best way that's going to help Alex Tuck as we go into the second half of the season. All right, so this since this is going up a little bit later than we're usually doing, because, again, I, we're doing this at 1.30, so this gives you a little bit of time to listen to this before the game, which is pretty cool. Uh, but since it's going up a little bit late, we're not going to do a look around the league. Tonight we will definitely be recording uh, after the game. Uh, when I get home, after I file my stories and whatnot, we will definitely be recording after the game tonight. Uh, the schedule going this week, again, it's going to be a little bit wonky. Uh, family and I are going out of town for a few days on Saturday, so I will not be here for the Columbus Blue Jackets game. But um, next week with being on the road and being in California, it's going to be a little bit of a wonky situation with the schedule. Going to bring the microphone with me, going to bring the computer with me. We're going to definitely record as much as I can uh, in the process. So be be a little bit patient with me. I, I appreciate all of you who have been patient with me um, to this point. Um, but that's the plan. We're going to be recording uh, tonight for tomorrow's episode. And then we'll get ready for the Kings on Thursday and then get you ready on Friday for the Blue Jackets. And then just to kind of get caught up, depending on how it goes on Saturday, because we're supposed to be getting to California Saturday evening. Uh, the plan will be to record after the Blue Jackets game on Saturday. I'm not going to promise that, but we're going to see how that goes. Um, so I appreciate everybody being patient with me. Again, I haven't been feeling great. Um, I've been kind of up and down under the weather. It hasn't been really great. I haven't been feeling you know, fully healthy lately, but I'm feeling okay now. So not knock on wood. Um, but I appreciate everybody being patient with me as I did that. And my dog starts to bark because of course that stupid me. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss golden Knights and the penguins, and then we will get ready for the golden Knights and the Kings on Thursday. So thank you guys. And also one other thing, I'm going to just start teasing it now, possibly a big episode coming up next week. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, so that'll be it, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's a Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Danny Webster. Thank you for listening. Again, follow us on Twitter uh, at Locked On VGK. And uh, stay tuned for any other updates. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>